So we're consistently trying to just get the word out and just teach people about the difference between what I've learned as a mom, Mm. not being in the cattle business and then getting into the cattle business and seeing that side of things and how the market works and how the industry works. And then really my eyes being opened up to a lot of things that I'm like, man, people just need to know. Right, right. (laughs) Bonjour friends, welcome to Whole Body Optimism, the podcast that's all about embracing a modern approach to positivity, clean living, and personal growth. I'm Dr. Chrissy, and I'll be your guide on this journey toward a happier, healthier, and more optimistic you. All right, today I'm so excited to introduce to my listeners today, Christina LeMay. I'm so pumped because she lives in Louisiana, which I have a specific interest in hearing about their business. And we met on a Facebook group that was about entrepreneurs that are women. And I was just drawn to her and needed to bring her onto the show today to tell everyone about their business and what they offer for you. I think you're going to be excited and I think you're going to want to sign up by the end of this. So Christina, thanks so much for being here today. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you live and what kind of business you're in and what you went to school for sort of get you where you are today? Yeah, there's a lot in that question. (laughs) So we, uh, we live in North Louisiana around Shreveport in Homer, not Homa. That's That's close to me. (laughs) Yeah. I teach school full-time. I teach high school math. That's my day job. Nice. And I actually have a degree in community health education. Oh, wow. But I just started teaching and I love that for just work-life balance for with my kids and being out of school when they're, but, and I love my job, but Mm -hmm. my husband and I started ranching. Now he went to school for ag business. So he's the agriculture thing. In fact, Nice. I changed my major in college after I took botany because I thought I'd never have to deal with plants. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I thought that was going to work out, but it didn't. And so we we have all kinds of things. We are ranchers, first generation ranchers. We both work full time. We have four kids. We <laughs> stay wow. very active. So yeah, that's great. So great. So can you tell us a little bit about the ranching business in Homer? Like, what do y'all do as far as to keep it going? Like, what are you producing? What are you selling and things like that? Yeah. So when we started ranching, our whole mindset was trying to find something, honestly, trying to find something we could invest in that would grow more than my husband had a retirement account with the state when he worked for LSU mm. Ag Center. It just wasn't growing like we really wanted it to. And we were like, we need to find something that we love to do that we can invest this money in and and kind of take us something we could have for the rest of our life if we right. wanted to. And that's how we kind of got started. And um, we quickly realized that ranching is tough. Like <laughs> It's, it's very hard to be profitable and, and a lot without really going into all the nitty gritty of that, we were selling calves. So we were a cow calf operation. We have cattle that we raise and we have calves and we sell calves to the commodity market. Um, But it quickly turned into, we were paying to stay afloat. Like Mm. we were calves twice a year and it's kind of like the stock market. I mean, literally it's the stock market, but 
whatever the price happens to be, the two days a year you sell out of 365, that's what you take. So we really hit a wall in 20, mm. 2019, actually. We were like a lot of times in life, you kind of come to this crisis of a decision making. What are you going to do? Are you going to keep doing it? Are you going to sell out? Or yeah, like, right, what are you going right. to? It was at that time we were like, let's try to sell beef because we love knowing where our food comes from. We've even before we got into cattle, we've always had a garden. We've always like just thought that was very important to know where right. our food is from and how it's grown and raised and all of that. I didn't know all the things that I know now about the cattle market that I've learned throughout the years, but mm-hmm. get into that in a little bit, but yeah. we, we just did in 2019, we were like, we've, we've got to do something different. And so we started offering beef, then COVID hit, right? In 2020. <laughs> And there was no beef on the shelves. And so it was actually perfect timing because right whenever we had beef ready to sell, there was no beef in the grocery store. And so people just flocked to us and then they fell in timing. It was perfect timing. (laughs) And just fell in love with the taste of our beef. They were just like, I cannot believe how much different mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like anything else. Sometimes you don't know how good something is until you realize you've had something better. Right. <laughs> and then right. Like, Man, why am I eating this other stuff? <laughs> right. So, so then we just had a continual return of customers and it's just grown from there. So we're consistently trying to just get the word out and just teach people about the difference between what I've learned as a mom, mm. not being in the cattle business and then getting into the cattle business and seeing that side of things and how the market works and how the industry works. And then really my eyes being opened up to a lot of things that I'm like, man, people just need to know. Right. Right. <laughs> they need to be aware. So you talked to us about, you mentioned how the beef tastes differently Can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, a lot of listeners here, they're not familiar with grass-fed, grass-finished, these types of terms. Can you tell us a little bit about the different kinds of meat that's going to be on the shelf? Definitely. You know, first of all, the beef that, that is on the grocery shelf, I mean, honestly, I guess one of the biggest red flags that people just need to be aware of is that in our country, it's legal to mark something as a product of the USA that is, was not raised in the USA, was never raised in the USA. So it's just because something's marked a product of the USA that it could be imported and just repackaged in the United States and called a product of the USA. That was the biggest like aha moment for me when I realized that I was like, this is lying to people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is really literally just, just telling people it's something that it's not. The only thing I can say is just the quality is so much better. Like it has so much flavor to it. I Mm. have people telling me all the time, I don't even have to put much salt or pepper on it or it just has, it's just very flavorful Mm -hmm. and grass fed just to kind of go into a little bit of all the differences of what you were talking about. Grass fed just means it spent 50% of its life on grass, which Mm -hmm. most, most cattle do. And for the mass majority, mass majority of the cattle market, cattle are put in feedlots at about 10 months old 
and they're fed out on grain, um, mm-hmm. which is predominantly corn and mm-hmm. things like that. That's not a natural cattle. Don't eat corn all by themselves. Like right, they right. corn. Um, so that's a natural thing that they're being forced to be fed. And that's just to fatten them up quicker because it meets the demand of getting beef out on the shelf, but anything could really be considered grass fed if it's 50%. Wow. Wow. So they don't need to be all fed on grass, their whole diet. Wow. That's interesting. And then grass finished means like ours are hundred percent grass fed and grass finished. They Mm. spend their entire life on pasture in their natural habitat, eating grass and cattle can be finished on grass. It just takes more time Mm. than putting them in a feedlot and growing them much quicker, which is meeting a demand. Okay. Ranchers and farmers, one rancher and farmer nowadays feeds 300 people. So to meet that demand, you have to do things quicker. So that's grass finished. Then organic just means that you have to meet a certain criteria by USDA and you have to be certified. And there's certain things that you can't use on your pasture. And um, there's a lot of uh, fine print in that <laughs> that you have sure, to just sure. apply for and meet the demands for and be checked out on that. So if I'm hearing you right, so like your typical ground meat, let's say that's sourced at the burger joint down the street, that ground beef is not going to be from a cow that's all pasture raised and grass fed and potentially they have pesticides in the feed that they're eating correct yeah they could have pesticides they i mean the the fact is is that beef that's imported like there's it really doesn't matter what people tell you you do not know how that animal was raised Mm. it was not in a controlled environment and within the United States, even, even a feedlot, there's a, that's a controlled environment. They know what, what it's being fed, how it's being fed, but you know, ground beef is a real funny one because it, there can be up to 40 different animals in one pound of ground beef. Like when you, when you get a ground beef, you're getting, it's going to one of these major packing houses and it's all just, it's mixed in together. I mean, you're wow. ma- producing a massive amount of meat all at one time. So even when you get a pack of steaks, you don't know how many different animals, where is that animal from? Like you, there's no one that can tell you those things. Once, like once we sell our cattle to the market, sure, we don't know where it goes or we can't go back right, and train right, right. an animal. <laughs> wow, that's so interesting. Now, what about hormone-free? That's what I didn't ask about was how do you, do do cattle get hormones usually? Or like, how do you guys regulate that part? Now, we do not use any kind of hormones for our cattle at all. Sure, There is in, you know, there's been research that says this is completely safe, but there is the use of uh, implants into cattle hormone implants Mm -hmm. and this is used to again everything that the cattle industry does is to feed cattle out faster right yeah more do it faster quicker and and better they say better (laughs) because you're meeting a need 
Sure. And anytime you do something, anytime you have to do a lot of something very quickly, the quality goes down. I mean, you can't, it would be the same thing as working a lot of hours <laughs> in a row. Right, right. Your seventh day on a 12 hour shift is the quality is definitely not what it was the first day. <laughs> That's very true. Very true. Wow. So you say that they, a lot of the meat gets imported. What are some of the common countries that the, the meat gets imported from? In general, for all the different types of beef, and um, it could be Brazil, Argentina, you know, South America areas, um, Mexico, Australia is a big one for grass fed. So 70% of even like butcher box. Okay. 70% of what they sell is imported, but wow. 90% of what's on the shelves that's labeled grass fed and grass finished. 90% of that is imported. Wow. So a lot of it is imported. And a lot of people don't realize this too, which is it's again, mind blowing for me being in the cattle industry is that we export American beef to countries like Japan and you know, places that are going to pay a lot more money for it. The high quality beef is exported and the lower quality beef is imported. Oh, wow. (laughs) That is mind blowing. Yeah. Wow. Now, can you tell us a little bit about like what kind of packages you guys offer and what kind of levels, like how can you, how can we get involved and how can people sign up? Yeah, so all of our products are sold on our website at lemayfamilyfarms.com. We try to sell as much bulk as we can. Just that means like halves, holes, quarter beef. And there's a lot of, well, let me just say, when I started selling beef, like there's, there's so much to learn in that. And it's hard, like I try to gap the divide between rancher words and what everybody understands Mm. and when you try to go if you just go to a rancher and say hey I'd I'd like to and you're buying in bulk they're gonna start throwing out words like hanging weight and finished Mm. weight and all of this and and it can be very overwhelming (laughs) to Mm, try understand like what is that what am I going to end up with in this whole process? So we have like simplified that all down. We sell by, by the finished weight. So like when you go to our website, if if it's a quarter beef package, it's going to be 110 pounds. And then I lay out for you like about how many of this type of steak, this type of steak, you know, these roasts, I have it all itemized out because mm-hmm. up front, like what would I be getting? Um, and the best way to buy from a buy from a rancher would be in bulk, but if mm. you choose not to go that way, then there are smaller packages that we have. Again, it's all laid out, and we do ship to anywhere in the U.S. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yes. So we ship. It's all frozen in vacuum, like all vacuum sealed in small containers, so you don't have to cook like a massive amount of meat at one time. We try to make it as easy as possible. And the reason I say buying in bulk is best is because honestly, like the amount of cattle that a rancher has a year is limited. I mean, Mm. we, we process about 40 a year right now. So 
if we were to have like an influx of people buying from us and we could sell out and then we won't have any more until right. the next time around. So, right. So is it okay to, let's say we get the box in the mail and we don't want to cook things right away. It's okay to freeze some of the meat and it won't, you know, change the quality or anything like that. We don't have to worry about any of that. No. In fact, it's already frozen. So it Got will it. come frozen to you. And the great thing about this, going back to talking about beef in the grocery store, again, if you're getting fresh beef, we we kind of call it high mileage beef because it's if it's shipped from overseas, <laughs> if it's shipped from overseas or it's even shipped from all across the country and then processed and then reshipped back to the grocery store. I mean, how long has that really been? There's been preservatives mm. added to keep it fresh. Oh, I bet. And fillers in the ground beef that are added to make it go further. You know, it's been sanitized with ammonium nitrate and things like that to keep it from having, you know, E. coli and because it's, it's sitting there longer. Right. Um, it's like, our beef, we use a local processor. So as soon as our beef is, is processed, it's frozen and it's vacuum sealed and it's frozen. There's no preservatives. There's no fillers. Like it's completely natural. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't think you could find that too many places, you know, and I think a lot of people, they sort of monetize the process like the big names that are out there. And that's how we get into this sort of cycle of buying what everybody sees as grass-fed and whatnot. But I, I think it's really important that you guys are doing because this is sort of like the homegrown, the purest of the pure of meats, it sounds like. And I don't, I don't think there's a lot of people in this country that are doing this. And I think after I've talked to some other farmers and whatnot, it sounds like most of the beef that is farmed in the United States is all fed on the beef, the, the beef is the cattle are fed on corn. They're, you know, you know, it's a process. They don't really give them the best non GMO, non, you know, pesticide formulated foods. And it's, it's sort of, that's what the, the country kind of is demanding is this high, this high production of beef, but what we're not doing is getting good quality beef out there and things that don't have processed ingredients in them. And, and so I really think that what you guys are doing is just one of a kind. It really is. And I know it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, you know, and, and that, that's a two-sided coin, like what you're talking about with that's what the market is producing until people a, are educated and understand the difference, how could you, you don't know what you don't know, right? Even for like, you know, a lot of your listeners or, or people you work with are medical professionals. How many things do you see that you think, man, if people just knew, if totally. only knew this or as a surgeon, you know, you're seeing the insides of people that they can't right. see themselves. So there's like a whole new world in there that people can't see. And that's how I feel like, I feel like I'm trying to bridge that gap between what I've learned as a rancher mm -hmm. and what I know as a consumer and as a mom, you know, if the demand is there, 
there are there are hundreds of ranchers and farms across this country who would love to sell their beef direct to consumer but right. that is a risk every it cow, is it sounds like every it. yeah every steer that we send to the processor that is that has been a year in the making like a year to a year and a half we have to plan in advance to get that there that doesn't just happen like overnight and so that's a risk that that if more people have a demand for it like there are people who are willing to step up and provide that so it's just knowing the difference finding the rancher that you can connect with and that you like the way they do things or maybe the process how easy it is or or whatever and we live in a convenient world right (laughs) who doesn't love grocery pickup or you know instacart or yes things that are easy so that's what we're trying to do is provide the beef for people that's the best for them and then also just easiest to to get to right how can we make it more efficient how can we make it easier for us to not even like have to spend so much of our time and energy thinking about going to the grocery store, making a list, doing these things. And if, you know, we had just something just set on automatic where it's just coming to us at this time that we we know we need it, or we don't have to think about going to the grocery store, reading all these packages to try to figure out what is the best beef to buy? What is the best meats and, and products out there in general? I'm so glad that you guys are offering something like this. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to put all the the ways to get in touch with you guys and a link to buy your, your box or your package and what the options are in the podcast notes. And I would love to see what you guys think about the LeMay Family Farms and what they are putting good products out there and how your body feels after. So let us know. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you so much for joining us on this uplifting journey through whole body optimism. We really hope you found today's episode as enlightening and inspiring as we did. Remember, optimism isn't just a state of mind, it's a way of life. And you have the power to shape your own destiny. Be sure to follow us on this podcast and on Instagram and Facebook to learn more about some practical and simple tips to find whole body optimism.